This is blasphemy. This is madness. Stop the insanity. You're absolutely out of your mind. I think it's absurd. I think it's an abomination. I think it's a disgrace. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You're a jackass. Embrace the madness. Oh my god. It's over. It's done. The season's over. We've lost the game. How could that happen? It was such a terrible played, terribly played game. The Eagles, they were frauds from the beginning. You've heard a lot of that this week, haven't you? The first sign of a loss after a nine-game winning streak. And all of a sudden, everything the Eagles have accomplished till now means nothing. According to... Too many out there, both Philadelphia-based and, of course, all the cockroaches that start coming back out. Settle down, Philly. You're better than this. Settle down. And it's my job to talk you through it. Welcome into another edition of The Madness. I'm your Minister of Madness, Rob Lange. Glad to be back in front of the mic. Uh, a couple weeks off. It's a, it's a tough time of year. Uh, for those of you that have been following the show for a while now, you do know that I coach basketball uh, at the high school level. So it's very hard working a schedule. On top of that, my house is like uh, the walking wounded. Uh, everyone is sick. I'm sick. I probably have bronchitis or something like that, but who the hell cares? Who knows? So we're going we're gonna to push through and do whatever we can over the next hour, hour and a half, something like that, and uh, really delve in to calming everyone down. You know, I understand how angry people were Sunday night. I was angry too. wasn't happy with the way that team played. And it deserved to win the football game. I would have taken the win, but they didn't deserve to win that football game. From so many different levels. And there wasn't just one guy to blame. There were multiple people to blame. You know, we have sat here and had the luxury of watching our team just absolutely dominate week in and week out. And a lot of people said they needed to face adversity. And, and I was one of the people who believed why. I mean, just if you're going to keep winning, keep winning. Who the hell cares? But I don't know if it was the team that needed to see adversity. I think it was us. The, the outrage and the chaos that has ensued from the fan base since Sunday night is incredible. Why do we have to look at this like the end of the world? You know, you saw video out in L.A., uh, you know, the morning commute at like 5 a.m., uh, with all the devastating wildfires out there, like up on the hills, and it looked like people were driving into the Armageddon. And, and here the Eagles now are in L.A., and it's almost like they're in the Armageddon, according to the Philly fans. Slow down. Okay? Slow down. Nothing is over. The season isn't a waste. Why are we not looking at this team and saying they're 10-2? and two? They played one of their worst games of the year, if not their worst game of the year, in one of the most hostile environments that there are, and lost a game that they had a chance to win. Because that's all that happened. That's all that happened on Sunday night was they lost to a team who was desperate, who was home, who has an unbelievable December record at home. And they lost by beating themselves up and kicking themselves with mistake after mistake. Now, that doesn't take anything away from Seattle. Seattle was the better team on Sunday night. Seattle was absolutely the better team on Sunday night because, simply put, they didn't make the mistakes. 
Everyone acts like the offense was shut down because they scored 10 points. Anyone look at the stats? They had 425 yards, net yards of offense. They had 327 passing yards. The problem was, for the first time all season, when they got in the red zone where they had been so efficient every game, they struggled. And Seattle, who has not been efficient in the red zone, got six when they were there. So the game went awry. But should we all jump off and say, well, that's it. It's over now. What else can we do? It, 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 it baffles me. Look at the game. And look at a few plays that are a difference. The Eagles are down 10 to 3. It's coming out of the uh, for the second half. They go all the way down the field. They drive right down the field on that Seattle defense. Running the ball, passing the ball, whatever it might be. They get to a first and goal. Wentz goes up the middle. Touchdown is there, and he fumbles the football. Now, the negative person, the naysayer says, oh, that's karma, here it comes. Where I say, that's not going to happen again. And it's so weird for me to be on this side. It's so weird for me to be on this positive, you know, political uh, propaganda side right now. <laughs> because I'm never that guy. But I came out of that game upset, but not devastated. I came out of that game and said, well, man, it makes this next week really important. And we're going to delve into all that today. We're going to delve into the Eagles. I'm going to bring on from TSJSports.com who gives me this platform, and I thank them for it, one of the newer Eagles writers, Robert Bolin. He's going to be joining us in a few minutes to talk about what happened in Seattle, what to, spec, what to expect in L.A., and what to expect going forward. And save me this, oh, look what happens when the Eagles finally play somebody. I, this argument is bogus, okay? It's bogus. They beat Carolina in Carolina on a short week. No one wins on the road in a short week. It is very rare. Look at what happened to the New Orleans Saints, the impenetrable New Orleans Saints. Go on the road, play a little bit sloppy of a game, and lose to the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday night football. But the Eagles, didn't. Have, that didn't happen to them. They, 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 they kicked the, I believe that game happened after they won a few in a row and, and things were starting to look good. And they went in and beat Carolina. Washington came into Philly after losing in week one. Still in it at that point. Still in it. By the way, a Washington team went into Seattle and won. And the Eagles beat them. And, you know, they fell behind early and then really just dominated the rest of the game. And all these bad teams that the Eagles have played, they haven't squeaked by them. They've put 50 points on the board, 30 points on the board. They dominated them. The Eagles are still one of the top, if not the top team in the NFC. I know not by standings right now, but that is the case. So we have to sit back and look at what happened. Now, there were things that were very concerning about Sunday night. Carson Wentz, for the first time all season, was tight. He was missing throws he doesn't miss. He seemed to be checking down more so than not, meaning he's probably seeing ghosts. And sometimes it wasn't ghosts. There were guys in his face. Big V did not have his best game. You know, Zach Ertz. I, I'm, I'm like drawing a blank if, if he got hurt in that game or not. I think he did. He got hurt early and it just, yeah, he did. And it just was never the same. The offense, though, moved the football. I mean, I would love to see a drive-by-drive -drive breakdown because I felt like they got down there so many times. And then if it wasn't, you know, you know, you get the holding on Alshon Jeffrey when it should be first and goal at the one. This, this was just a bad game. 
every team has bad games. New England loses at home to Carolina earlier in the year. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh loses to the freaking Bears. And and no one is talking about them as being done when they lost that game. They're Super Bowl contenders. So why do we have to go to doomsday? I just don't understand it. It, it just doesn't make sense to me that that's the way that we're going to go to this. The other concerning thing was Doug and some of his bad habits popping back up in the game. Very inconsistent on whether or not to go for it. He didn't go for it early in the game, which told me he was tight. Because every other game this season, fourth and inches at the 50, he goes for it. Not this time. And at the time, I thought, you know what, maybe a good move, but maybe I was too tight as a fan. But I'm allowed to be. I'm allowed to have emotions. We're all allowed to have emotions. But as the coach, you cannot coach that game tight. And then it was like, okay, well, let's go for it now instead of take the points, which was stupid later in the game. He throws a challenge on a play that really didn't matter because they were going to go for it and sneak it on the next play anyway. But that one that is legitimately a challenge, when it's a forward friggin' lateral to save the game, you don't throw the flag. And I know everybody wants to blame the guys up in the booth because they have to say something. Well, I already had my issue with the Harvard guy in the booth. He doesn't know the game. He knows the numbers. So that's not... Trust your gut, Doug. You don't always have to get the okay from the man from Harvard up in your damn booth. Trust your gut. Now, I don't know if it changes anything, but it's 17 to 10 at that point. They have to punt the ball. Your offense is moving down the field. Now you go down, you tie this game late. Who the hell knows what happens? But it's okay. We need to see how well this team can adjust. I don't think the secondary played particularly well. I thought Patrick Robinson had his worst game at the slot position. But part of that is Russell Wilson is just so damn good. He just makes things happen. And sometimes that's going to win you a game. If the Eagles play Seattle later in the year, I think the Eagles can beat them. I think the Eagles will beat them if they play them in the playoffs. And I'm, and I'm so emotional about this because I cannot believe we all sat there and said, hey, we need a split out on the West Coast, and we'll be okay. And then they lose the first game, and it's, oh, it's hell. It's over. It's done. And I'm going to tell you, even if the Eagles were to lose this Sunday, it's still not over. It's still not over. Things can happen. Minnesota can lose this week. So let's relax. Let's calm down. It was a bad game. Let's put it in the dumpster. Let's light it on fire. Let's forget about it. And let's move on to L.A. Now, in a couple minutes, we're going to be joined by Robert Bolin of TSJSports.com. One of the newer writers doing a great job over there. Make sure you hit up the website. A lot of good content going up each and every day by a lot of great writers, aspiring writers trying to make their way in, the, in their career in the same way I am here so once again, we do thank TSJ Sports for that. You know, the, the other funny thing to me is how fans are coming out of the woodwork of the Cowboys, of the Giants, of the Saints. You saw a couple Saints fans come out before Thursday night. Oh, now, yep, it's time for Philly to, stro to choke. It's time for Philly to struggle. This is where it all ends. Dude, just shut up. Just stop. You know, Skip Bayless came out of his, his hole to tweet something. I just, it, it, it was just so flustering, so frustrating. And I said, I said to somebody, I said, you know, the reason I'm probably the most upset about the loss is because of the idiots. Is because of the people out there that are now coming out of the woodwork telling me how bad the Eagles are. It's like, come on. Come on. Get over yourselves. 
so let's move on to L.A. while we wait for Robert to call. And when he calls back, we'll, we'll go over Seattle a little bit and then move forward uh, and see how this thing plays out. And as a matter of fact, joining us now from TSJSports.com, uh, one of the newer Eagles writers doing a great job over there is Robert Bolin. Rob, how are you, man? Doing, Rob. How are you doing today? Doing great. Well, you know, I, I feel like it is my job today, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, to end this doomsday scenario that has just taken over our fan base. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is, is it over for the Eagles? <laughs> oh, absolutely not, uh, Rob. I really think uh, Seattle playing at home um, in a really big game, uh, going against one of the NFL's top offenses, they really want to prove a point. Uh, they're still the legion of boom over there without Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor. So I think it's more that the Seattle was playing really well than the Eagles uh, playing poorly. Yeah, and, and that played a role in it. But, you know, I do think that the Eagles made some uncharacteristic mistakes for this season, mistakes they haven't made all year, things they haven't done, fumbling the ball in the red zone, uh, you know, not not going for it on fourth down at times when they should, and going, you know, Doug seemed a little off. Do, do you think that the game um, that we should take more out of this, that it was an anomaly for the Eagles to be making these mistakes, or did Seattle put the book out on what you do to stop them now? Uh, I don't think uh, Seattle really shut us down. I think we had a lot of plays we missed. Um, and I really think that our offense, not just our entire team, it was really a team loss. It wasn't on Carson Wentz. It wasn't on Doug Peterson. Uh, the whole team was just kind of uh, not playing to what they should be. So it's definitely an anomaly. Uh, but I don't think I have any concern uh, going forward, especially with the Rams coming up this week. Well, you know, there, Doug had hit it, Doug Peterson had hit it in his press conference after the game something about these guys now know that every day they got to show up, they got to practice hard, and there seems to be this belief that it wasn't necessarily the Eagles' best week at practice uh, leading into the Seattle game. Do you, do you put any stock into that? And if, if that was the case, from what you've seen of this team this year, do you think they're going to learn from that mistake? Uh, I definitely think so. Uh, you have to stay focused. We were on a roll, 10 straight games. Hard to stay focused, uh, especially when you have the uh, other teams are headhunting. Um, I really think Seattle was just coming out, and I think the Eagles need to definitely uh, step up and practice uh, physicality, all that stuff. A lot of stuff going on right now. All Pro, Pro Bowl, and Walter Payton Award just came out this week. So they should need to get their focus back together, and I think they'll have it this week. Yeah, and LeGarrette Blunt is on the record saying they are dialed in, they're, they're, they're ready to go for this week. And, you know, I'm on record as saying that I thought it was a great idea, and I know that a lot of teams do this when they have to play back-to-back West Coast games, but for the Eagles to stay out there, but I thought it even meant more once this team lost uh, on Sunday that they were able to stay out there and stay away from all this negative energy that's back here in the city of brotherly love. Uh, what do you think? Do you think it was a good idea staying out there? Um, I think it was a great idea. That's uh, road. Uh, I guess road stretches really bring teams together because they're always together, uh, emails together, everything like that. And then on top of it, uh, all the wildfires in California right now, the air quality out there isn't as good as it would have been here in Philadelphia. So I think they have to get used to that as well. Yeah, you know, you, you bring up the wildfires, and we obviously our prayers with all the families that are being affected by this out there. Is there's been rumors that the game might get moved, may not get moved. What have you have you heard anything to kind of lead us to one way or the other here? Oh yeah, I, the, I've heard reports that they're not going to move the game under any circumstance uh, ever in LA, um, just because the wildfires are really dying down a little. So I've heard, but I mean they could always spark back up at any time. So, but um, for what I've heard, I think the game will definitely be played a regular time. All right, we're speaking with Robert Boland, TSJSports.com, one of my, uh, I guess you would say, I guess you could say we, we work together, we're colleagues now because we're both working through, through the same website. So let, let's move on to the Rams because this is a team that has shocked so many this year under McVay in his first year as head coach. What about this team is making them so good? Um, I think very similar to the uh, Eagles is their defensive line. Um, I really think Aaron Donald is just, a disruptor presence, uh, and he is definitely uh, a candidate for defensive player of the year this year. So I think Fletcher Cox is our best player, and uh, Aaron Donald's their best player. So that's really their forte is defense. 
It, it is, and that was one of the things for a couple of years there where they had that really good defense. You couldn't get the offense going. And McVay seems to be getting the most out of Jared Goff, and Jared Goff is starting to look very, very much worthy of that number one overall pick. What have you seen in the growth of him at a, as a young quarterback right now? Uh, I just think the confidence, uh, breaking the huddle. Uh, as everyone knows, he didn't really do huddles in college, so that was kind of a struggle just to get the play call out uh, in the huddle uh, last season. So I think that, and on top of uh, the Rams front office getting with some new weapons, and uh, Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods just getting the ball in their hands so they can make some plays for him. You know, they also seem to be getting more out of Todd Gurley uh, uh, lately. And, you know, I, I heard some analysts saying that early in the season they were running out of the shotgun a lot, and they've, they've gone back to running under center, which has been a better move for Todd Gurley. I look at the Eagles and I say to myself, should they start running from under center a little bit more? Whether, you know, not only because they got a couple guys who are downhill runners, but it also opens up the play action. How do you feel about that idea? Um, I really think that uh, the Eagles offense really sparks from the run game. Um, I think that uh, Carson Wentz's ability to change the play of the line of scrimmage through RPOs or things like that, or even defense, really has been a big uh, part of our offense, especially with uh, big backs like we got in Blend and Jayajai. If you don't have linebackers on them that can tackle them, if they get to the third level, they're most likely taken to the house, as you've seen this year. So I really think running the ball downhill, um, especially with uh, Vitae on the left side. Um, Missing Peters has been big for our passing offense as well. Yeah, you know, I, I want to just uh, finish up on the running game here. You know, as good as the Los Angeles defense has been, they're 27th against the rush this year. Right. And, and it, you know, if I'm, if I'm Doug Peterson and I saw – the one thing I thought – the Eagles only had 98 rushing yards, but they seemed to be getting five, six yards whenever they ran the football – against Seattle do you got to go in yeah do you got to go into this game and say listen Carson you 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 have been great all year but we got to go old school you know I feel like Pittsburgh Steeler type just punch the ball right into the mouth of this Rams defense and make them stop it oh yeah I really think uh it's going to be a tough game just like last week in Seattle it's going to be grind it out, run the football, play great defense, and whoever makes a mistake is probably going to lose the game this week. Yeah, I agree, and I, and I look at this and say, that, you know, I think it's all about the running game. I think if the Eagles can run the ball effectively and if they can make Jared Goff have to beat him through the air, which I know that he can do, but if they can make that team more one-dimensional offensively, I think the Eagles have a really, really, really good shot of winning. But, you know, you mentioned something, Rob, uh, that was a concern of mine was that Vitae – he hasn't been stellar, but he had been pretty solid up until Sunday night, and he was very exposed uh, by, I thought, by Seattle. And do you see the Eagles saying, "Okay, we we got to provide more help. We gotta we gotta keep Brent Selleck over there. We gotta make sure the backs are chipping on that left side." Do you see them making the proper adjustments to help him? And if so, what are those adjustments? Um, I think more so just another every game since he's took over for Jason Peters, they've given him less and less help every week. Um, and I really think like how really good quarterbacks like Tom Brady don't always have elite offensive lines. Wentz just seems to get the ball out quick. Um, Wentz really likes to make the big plays, scramble in the pocket. So I really think just getting the ball out quicker, uh, having a better game plan with the quick pass will really help by time more than any type of you mentioned uh, pass blocking help. We're talking about Robert Bolin, TSJ Sports. You, you mentioned Carson Wentz, and obviously that was not what we would call one of his finest games, especially this season. Do do you think the the lights were a little too bright for him in the sense that you know the stage was was set and it was a really big game, or was it just one of those? Hey, Carson had a bad game. He'll be fine. Yeah, I really think Carson Wentz is a a huge competitor, uh, especially from his time in college. You saw he won a couple of national championships out there in North Dakota State. Um, and I really think he likes the bright lights. Um, I think his accuracy definitely got affected, though, being out there in Seattle. Could have been the crowd noise, could have been the 12th man. Um, but I really think he usually rises occasion. I think he just missed some throws, and uh, that sometimes happens, especially with a year QQB. He's not uh, Tom Brady yet. Yeah, and he's, and he's not going to have to deal with much crowd noise <laughs> this coming week at the Coliseum 
for numerous reasons. First of all, because of the way that stadium was built, uh, you know, it's not as loud as, say, Seattle or, or you know, Arrowhead and some oh, of those Arrowhead, things. Right. But, but the other thing is, I mean, you've seen – now, this team is, you know, 9-3, and three, the, the, the L.A. Rams are, and someone took a picture of their last home game, and they, they are just not even close to selling out the stadium. And that, that's not anything more. It's a huge stadium. But there is, as, as we do in Philadelphia, we travel. And it right, sounds like when we played the Chargers. It, exactly. And, and some of the stories coming out of L.A., you know, Uber drivers saying 90% of their business is people from Philly and, and the airport saying we haven't seen it like this since the Eagles came out to play the Chargers. Do, do you really think that that can benefit, like that, that can have an effect on the Eagles in a positive way when they make a big play and they're going to hear more cheers than boos? Oh, I definitely think it's uh, a big uh, deal, especially not even more so during the game, but just before the game, seeing all the Eagles fans. Uh, I've seen several players tweet about it uh, after the Chargers game. They said, I'm glad we have an extra home game this year, nine home games. We got the advantage. So now we might even have ten home games this year, uh, especially this weekend. That's big. Yeah, and you, and you know it's serious when, when you see Fox. Fox Sports is like basically trying to buy people to come out and wear Rams jerseys to be behind their <laughs> their set. I think oh, that – I mean, it, it says all it needs to say about – you know why it, it begs the, that question, and it, it raises that question that we've all asked: Why did they put two teams in LA again? You're, you're seeing what kind of support you're going to get, especially when you have a team that's nine and three. But right. as as far as this game, Robert, I mean, it obviously a lot of people, and it is it's the biggest game of the Eagles' year this year. I mean, I don't I don't think there's any question to this point. But if the worst happens, if this team takes a loss is it the end of the world are they done oh i don't think so i think um if we win win this game great we're on our way to the number one seed i think that's everyone's goal is the number one seed so i guess it's more of a disappointment than anything if we lose this weekend but i feel like uh if we get a second chance against any of these teams uh in the playoffs uh seahawks rams uh i think our coaching staff will be able to really Game better and, and actually play better the second time we play them. So, if anything, this is more of a warm-up game for the playoffs. Did, did we, as a fan base, buy into the notion that was sprouted by the national media that, well, now we really get to see what type of team the Eagles are in these two games? They they play well and win these games, and they are legit. But if not, well, they may they're they're just not that good. Do we buy into the hype of that too much, or was that a warranted comment? Yeah, I mean, I really think it's a warning comment. Um, everyone's seen our schedule. Uh, we really have had some teams that haven't had the best records this season. But I think us going 4-0 at the division, sweeping the Redskins, um, wasn't very easy. And especially playing two top teams on the road with two very good defenses, it's definitely a great test to see how the Eagles are. But it's definitely not a must-win game or a game where if we lose, we're feeling uh, that we're not going to be able to match up with the rest of the teams in the playoffs this year. Well, well, with it being a big game, and, and it certainly is, I'm, I'm curious. I, I'm, I haven't gone on record with my prediction yet. I, I, I feel very confident, I will say that, and I'm going to you know, do more of that at the end of the show. But I'm curious, where do you stand on this game? How do you see it playing out? Um, I think everyone has high predictions, being that these two offenses are very high-powered. But I think it's going to be similar to the Seattle game. Um, I think it's going to be worth scoring defensive uh, and grind it out. I think it's going to be 27-21 Philadelphia. 27-21 Philadelphia. You are are now on record. Hey, Robert, before I let you go, um, I mean, this NFC is crazy. It gets a little bit crazier last night with Atlanta beating uh, New Orleans. You know, right now, Minnesota, it's so weird. Like, Minnesota is the number one seed, but it's like if the Eagles win this week and Minnesota wins – the, the, because of what the tiebreaker is right now, the Eagles can still jump them or something. I mean, how the hell do you see this thing playing out? Yeah, I really think it comes down to uh, the wins in the NFC. If you can win in your conference, then you, that's usually how you lock up the number one seed. Um, but I think last night, uh, when now you talk about the game, Alvin Kamara going out in the first quarter, that would have been a completely different game, I think, if he stayed in the game. I think the Saints would have dominated. And he probably wouldn't even be talking about the Falcons today. Um, but in terms of 
Titan and on seed, the Eagles having to go West Coast, or the Vikings having to come to Philadelphia. I think that's really big. Um, so it's definitely going to be something we should really strive for, especially since Wentz is a lot better at home, which is shown to be true. And if, and if you had to make a prediction, who, who's, uh, who's going to end Week 17 with that number one seed? I'm probably going to have to go with uh, the Vikings. I think we have a lot easier road um, going forward, especially with the Eagles playing Dallas Week 17. They get Zeke back. That's going to be a huge – that's going to be a playoff game. Um, so we just have a bunch of playoff games coming up. The Raiders have a must-win next week. I think the Eagles just have a lot of tough games coming up, but I think they'll be playoff-tested and ready to go now do you when th- it comes time. Which I think will be a good thing. Uh, do you think the Eagles can still get the bye, at least get that two-seed, or do you think they're going to fall into having to play a wild-card weekend? Yeah, I think we'll lock the two seed uh, since all that interdivision rivalry going on in the NFC South. Uh, the Saints are really scary, but now that the Panthers and Falcons have uh, drawn some blood, I think they're going to start to reel a little. And the Panthers could help us with a win over the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. Robert Bolin, TSJSports.com, get over, read his stuff. You're doing a great job, man, and uh, had fun talking with you, and hopefully we have you on again soon. All right, thanks, Rob. Good talking to you. All right, take it easy. And that was Robert Bolin from TSJ Sports. So a lot of good points he brought up, um, you know, certain things. It sounds to me like I understand where the idea comes that Minnesota has the uh, easier record, and we're going to talk about all that. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just the Case Keenum effect, and I can't get over that. But we'll, we'll get into that later. I do want to take a little break right now, uh, a little commercial break, short two, three-minute commercial break. When we come back, We're going to get into this Eagles-Rams game. I'm going to tell you why I believe it's a lock. Weird for me to say. Don't say it often. But I believe this game is as much of a lock as the Eagles have had all season. This team is a good team. Okay, I've tried to say that for weeks. This team is a good, very good football team. And I expect them to come back around and become the Eagles we know. We'll be right back. Dante, what are you looking at? Give me the ball. Let's go, Dante. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. What I use in a battle for the mind. Hit it hard like it's a pose. He's playing with the pitch. He's playing. Oh, oh. I guess that I'm 
doing fine. I'm locked. He's going for it. He's going for it. Woo! It's been so long Come on, now. Right down there. Come on, we got this. But got it this. seems now. It was only yesterday. And we are back here on The Madness. Rob Lange bringing you back to sanity, ladies and gentlemen, because that's what it's all about. Ladies and gentlemen, I look at this game on Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams in L.A. at the Coliseum, and I see an undoubtedly big win for your Philadelphia Eagles. Me, Rob Lange, who many of you don't know personally, but if you did, would be spilling whatever you're drinking, falling out of your chair, swerving the car, because I have never been a confident Eagles fan. I've always been the guy that says, hey, if you keep your expectations low, it won't hurt as much. And then I realized that's nonsense. Because my expectations are always low. And it still friggin' hurts. So I'm done. The Eagles will win the game Sunday. And I think they win by two scores. And I'm going to give you a few reasons why I think this is going to go down this way. Number one. The last time the Eagles lost, they came back and they had to win a game on a 61-yard field goal at home against the New York Giants. However, what people forget about that game was how for two to three quarters, the Eagles dominated, played their best football of the year, had made unbelievable adjustments, ran the football, and were just manhandling the Giants. And then they got a little lackadaisical. And they let the Giants back in the game. They let the Giants take the lead. And then they had to fight back and win the game. I am a firm believer that Jim Schwartz, even though I didn't think the defense played terribly on Sunday, Jim Schwartz takes losing like that personally. Jim is going to have this team on defense ready to rock and roll, ready to get into the head of Jared Goff, ready to make him see ghosts, ready to keep Todd Gurley in check and keep this Rams team much more average than the way they have played and the way they actually probably are so far this year. I believe that Doug Peterson is going to see the error in his ways again. Dougie did not coach his best game on Sunday. But that doesn't mean he's not going to coach his best game again this Sunday. I know that we have watched teams go 9-3 and before choking. I know that we watched this team under this coach start off 3-0 and and then choke it away. But we have to stop living in the damn past. We tell the national media to stop living in the past and the snowballs and the booing of Santa and all that other crap. We need to stop living in the past. New year, new regime. Doug's going to make the adjustments. He's going to run the football a lot this week. I think Nelly is going to have a big game back on his home turf from when he played at USC. I think Carson is going to do the right things and he's going to make the passes that he didn't make in Seattle. And I think the Eagles are going to put 30 points on the board. Insane, right? But I believe it. Number two, because that was all under the one they're going to make the right adjustments. 
Todd Gurley is a premier running back in the NFL. The times the Eagles have struggled the most against running backs were when maybe they just weren't worrying about them because they weren't big names, Alfred Morris, guys like that. And it's not even like they struggled, but they didn't do as well. Jordan Howard, premier running back. Melvin Gordon, premier running back. I think total yards combined for the two of them was under 30. The Eagles are not going to let Todd Gurley get out and run. They're going to force the Rams to be one-dimensional. Patrick Robertson is going to get back to what he's been doing all year and contain Cooper Cup. Sammy Watkins is Sammy Watkins. I know everyone's worried about Tavon Austin. He might make a couple plays, but not worried about it. So once the Rams go to one-dimensional, the game is over. It's done. They will not win. Number three. Talked about Doug Peterson making, you know, the the, the proper adjustments. The Eagles are going to rush for close to 200 yards on Sunday. They're going to run the football right down the throat of the L.A. Rams. I see Blunt, Ajayi, and Clement having field days. I see them gaining five, six yards a clip. And I just see it being one of these games where, you know, I I should probably back off at a 30 number because I think they're going to control the clock. I think they're going to run the football to control the clock, control the time of possession, not allow this vaunted Rams offense out on the field. Excuse me. I just think that the team knows how important this is now. And when they've had their backs up against the wall early in the season, when in certain games they've struggled and had their backs up against the wall, They've done what was necessary. I don't care what anybody says. Their backs were not up against the wall last week in Seattle. They weren't. They could lose that game and still live the fight another day. But now the doubt's creeping in. People in the area are picking against them. People in the national media are picking against them. This brings me to my next point. This is where I love the Eagles. I love when they're being doubted. I love when they're being hated on. Nate Burleson's the only guy who's been super positive. So, I have zero issues with people picking against them. I want people picking against them. I like it because I think this team will feed off of that. And lastly, this team is going to feed off of the Philadelphia fan base who is making the trek out to L.A. There are going to be thousands out there, ladies and gentlemen. There are huge trips planned. I know WIP is doing a trip. I know our friends over at Fourth and John and the Mighty E-Rock are doing a trip with the Green Legion. I know the trip, the the company that I go through, M&J Travel, they're on their way out there. I'm looking at tens of thousands of Eagles fans flocking L.A., flocking Rodeo Drive and dirtying it up just a bit. And when that game starts, the Eagles chants are going to be so vocal. As you hear them through the TV, you are just going to have so much pride in your fan base. And I think at the end of the day, what this is going to do is lead, and I'm going to stick to what I said, what I thought earlier. I think the Eagles are going to win 34 to 20. And I don't know if it's going to be that close, meaning they could be up 34 to 10 and give up some points in the fourth quarter. 
I think the Eagles are going to blow the doors off of the Rams. Yes, the Rams are good. I'm not saying that they're not. But I think this is the time where they're going to blow the doors off of a team that's considered very good. And all of a sudden, people are going to say, hmm, okay, we might have overreacted. So there it is. I don't really need to see much, say much more. I got the Eagles winning 34-20. I am super confident about this game. You can hear it in my voice. I'm not worried at all. They're going to win the game. They're going to win the game. They're going to come home 11-2. and They're going to have the NFC East clinched. And not, I know they're not playing at home, but I mean, back to the East Coast, they'll go in the, in the New York knowing they need the game. They'll do what they need to do there. Come home Christmas night. Oakland Raiders. The game's going to be important to both teams. Eagles win that one. And then if the game against Dallas matters, they'll, you know, we'll see. But I, I don't even know if that game's going to matter. I think the Eagles at, four, at 13 and 2 are going to have at least a bye clinched. They may not get back up to the first spot, but it really depends on Minnesota losing this week, I think, because Minnesota's schedule is not too challenging after this one. But I think they'll at least have a bye clinch going into that Dallas game where it won't matter. <coughs> so, with that said, I do want to talk about this NFC. And to me, you look at the AFC playoffs and you say, okay, we have the Patriots, we have the Steelers, and then there's everybody else. You cannot say that in the NFC. The Steelers and the Patriots are 10-2. and It's going to be them in the conference championship. In the NFC, you look... The leaders of each division, 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 9 and 3, 9 and 4. Okay. Now, for the Vikings and the Eagles, they're, they're in a runaway to win their division at this point. But then you look at the other two, the NFC West. The Seahawks are 8 and 4, right behind the Rams, and you know how they play in December. The Panthers and the Falcons, 8 and 4, 8 and 5, both right there. And they are going to see a lot of each other in the last four weeks of this season. So Panthers got to play Minnesota this week. But then I think it's Panthers and Falcons next week. Then Falcons and Saints the following week. Then maybe Panthers and Saints again. I know that they're all just kind of going back and forth. So a lot to be decided in that division. Now, I think the Saints are the best team out of the three, and I agree with what Rob said earlier that losing Kamara early in that game maybe changes it a bit. But I think their defense showed a couple holes. I thought that Atlanta was running all over them late in that game, tiring them out. And I think that it could be an issue for the Saints and why they could lose another game and maybe be more of an 11-5 and five team. But I think 11-5 and five gets the job done. You know, I think they win at home against the Falcons. Um, even if they were 12-4. and four. I mean, I think, I think they probably, you know, 12-4, and 11-5 is where they'll be. I think the Panthers are, are, are going to lose two more. I think they'll be a 10-6 and six team and not make the playoffs. I do believe the Falcons... Um, you, you know, are in a tight spot because if they lose one more, now they're at 10 and 6. Now you're going to come to tiebreakers with the Panthers and and the Seahawks are already going to be in and, and things of that nature. <coughs> so when I look at this playing out, let's I want to look at the NFC South. I think the Saints are going to win the South. I think the Falcons are going to come in second. And I think the Panthers are coming third, which honestly, if, the, if that's the case, the Falcons are going to squeak in as a wild card. I think the Seahawks are going to win West because I think the Rams are going to lose this week. I think the Seahawks are going to win this week at Jacksonville. Both teams will be 9-4. Seattle will hold the tiebreaker. And I just I, I see this Seattle team, you know, 12-4. I see them running the table. And I could see the Rams being 11-5. So that would be your three-seed Seahawks. I think your four-seed Saints, 
your five seed Rams, your six seed Falcons. I think the Eagles and Minnesota are the top two seeds. I do believe wholeheartedly they're the top two seeds. If Minnesota loses this week, the Eagles will be the number one seed. If Minnesota wins this week, I think Minnesota's the number one seed. I think this Panthers game is huge when it comes to the Eagles maybe getting home field. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna roll through the NFC playoffs for you right now. That's kind of what I wanted to do today to show you where I think this thing ends up. So if we're saying the Seahawks are the three seed, that means they're going to play the Falcons, have home field advantage in that one. Now, Atlanta went in there and beat them earlier this year. Atlanta ain't going in there and beat them twice this year. Not going to happen. Seattle will move on. And I see the Saints and Rams game being really interesting. Really interesting. Saints went did beat uh, L.A. earlier in the year. Oh, no, no, no. L.A. won the game. L.A. won the game out in L.A. Saints are going to get the revenge at home. So that means that you're sending three and four. So one will play fourth. So the Eagles, if they are the number two seed, which I'm going to make the prediction that they are. I'm going to make the prediction that they're not the number one seed. But the Eagles will get Seattle at home. And I just told you earlier in the show that I believe if they play Seattle again, they will beat Seattle. They will win that game. It will be in Philly. Seattle will have to travel out here. The Eagles will have a better game plan offensively. And they will win that football game. The Vikings and Saints. Vikings have the home field advantage. But Seattle knows how to play on the turf of a dome, don't they? The Saints will upset the Minnesota Vikings in the divisional round. Case Keenum will become Case Keenum. And the Saints will do just enough to win that game. Which, what does that set you up with, folks? Eagles, Saints, Lincoln Financial Field, NFC Championship game. Last time the Eagles were in the playoffs, it was Drew Brees and the Saints that came in and beat them on their home field. Nick Foles at the quarterback. Takes the Eagles down to give them the lead late or tie the game late. Darren Sproles, big kick return. Saints kick game winning field goal all done over the last good moment of the Chip Kelly era. Ain't happening twice, folks. Eagles will gash the Saints on the ground. The Eagles defense will be all over Drew Brees. Ingram will not be able to get started. Kamar might have a game, but it's not going to be enough. The Eagles are still going to be your NFC champions. They are going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl in Minnesota. There is not a doubt. Well, (laughs) I'm not that confident. But I do believe that that's how this thing's going to play out in the NFC. And I'm going to stand to that. If there's adjustments that need to be made along the way, we will make them here on this show. But adjustments are a funny thing. And it leads me into the last segment of our show here that I want to talk about for a few minutes. You know, I have been a guy that said, you know, Roger Goodell needs to be the owner. I know he hasn't done everything great, but I don't hate him as much as other people do. Uh, I I think it's unwarranted hate. I think the guy's got a tough job, blah, 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 all that crap. I do not understand for the life of me how they make up the suspension and fining rules. If you're watching football this week, you obviously saw Rob Gronkowski put all of his 250-plus pounds an elbow onto the head and neck area of Tredavious White of the Buffalo Bills after the play was over as Tredavious White is laying on the field. Well after the play is over. On Monday night, you see Juju Smith-Schuster 
lay the crackback block that they're trying to get rid of. But during a play, legitimate block, yes, it's going to be flagged. Understood. They don't want it in the league anymore. It's by rule. On Vontae's Burflicht. Smith-Schuster then proceeds to stand over top of him to let him know he just laid his ass out. Two plays, two suspensions, the same length of time. How in the hell is that possible? How in the hell can Roger, excuse me, Roger Goodell say that a block and a taunt while a play is going on is the same infraction as Rob Gronkowski laying his whole body onto a guy well after the play is over and say, both guys deserve a one suspension. Let's talk about the side of things for foremost. Here's where I get upset with Roger Goodell. I feel like Roger Goodell sometimes becomes afraid of certain people if he's wrong them, that if he does it, it's going to really come back to him. We all know what the flake is, and we all know how mad... New England still is about it, right? New England's still angry about it. So now, because of that, Rob Gronk, one game suspension for a play in which it's, it's one of the dirtier things I've seen watching the NFL. It's, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. That is a four-game suspension at least. If you're going to suspend Ezekiel Elliott for six games for something he hasn't been held guilty of, that you have evidence that possibly there's a good chance something happened. What Rob Gronkowski did was abuse on the streets. It was assault. It's a crime. He'd be arrested. And you're going to give this guy a one-game penalty? Rob Gronkowski is the biggest goofball in the world. He's the biggest jackass out there. Is he funny at times? Yeah. But what the hell is he going to learn from one game? He's not going to learn a damn thing. You dropped the ball. Majorly, you dropped the ball. But that's just part of the issue. My other problem is that Juju Smith-Schuster lays a block in the middle of a play with full speed, gets flagged, gets fined, and then gets suspended. His teammate Mike Mitchell ranted a day ago, and it was an unbelievable rant. And some of the language is a little profane, but I, I really want you to hear this. Uh, I'm not sure if it will be edited out or not, but just take a listen to what he had to say when, you know, guys like Matt Hasselback call him a dirty player or how confusing it is for these players while they're playing. At the end of the day, this is football. If you want to see flag football, then let's take our pads off. That would make it easier for me because now I don't got to wear heavy shit. But give us flags for me to pull off because that way I know what we're playing. You know, I signed up to play full speed contact football and we're not doing that. I feel like I got to ask a guy, hey, are you ready for me to hit you right now before I hit you? And that's crazy. I'm going to mess around and get hurt trying to protect an offensive player because he's running an over route. Damn it, your quarterback shouldn't have threw that ball messed up. That happened two years ago. That's I'm, I'm not joking at all. Andy Dalton threw a ball to Tyler Eifert two years ago. Tyler Eifert had to die for it. I was aiming for his gut. But if he don't dive, he don't get in the head. That's 50 grand out of my pocket, though, because Andy throws a bad ball. Make that make sense. 
and at first you're taking our money, but now, you know, you, I got assholes like Matt Hasselbeck calling me a dirty player and uh, trying my character, and we've never met before. I donate more money to Cincinnati underprivileged kids and probably people on the Bengals. So don't give me that name. My nephew goes to school there, man. I take all that personally. If you don't know me, if you never had a conversation with me, don't judge us by what you see on football because football is my competitive side. You know what I'm saying? So it's just so much going on in the game right now. Yes, obviously I'm a little flustered, but I mean, we just got to do better. We got to do better. I said it yesterday. We got to do better as players when we sign the next CBA. We got to get better leadership as who's running the league because obviously everybody from fans, owners, players are all disappointed in Roger Goodell. Um, we just we just got to do better. We can't have a guy where you just hand out discipline on how you see fit. There needs to be a set guideline of how we do what we do. There's no way I see two people get post-play penalties, post-play infractions that don't have to do with football and you get. And he went on to saying you get the same penalty as something that does have to do with football. So many good points, in, as angry as he was. So many good points. First of all, he talks about a play where he was fined $50,000 for a hit on Tyler Eifert. On a poorly thrown ball where he's aiming for his chest full speed, Tyler Eifert dies and he ends up, dives and he ends up hitting him in the head. How are they supposed to control that? How are they supposed to control that? Or when a player who has the ball starts to prepare themselves for a hit and they duck down, when a man has already given himself up to go right into the chest and now the head's there. You can't stop that. But you know what you can stop? Is only giving one-game suspensions for jackasses like Rob Gronkowski who does something after the play. That's what you can stop. Juju Smith-Schuster did not deserve a suspension. You want to fine him because there's a new rule that says you can't crack back block, fine. But for you to suspend him is a disgrace. Is an absolute disgrace. You know, we also said, and this is the one thing where Roger Goodell really needs to get better. There has to be a set of guidelines. You can't just do it on a case-by-case basis, how you feel in that given moment. I deal with this in my regular job, okay? And, and, and I mean this from a sense that schools, right? Kids get in trouble. There has to be certain guidelines in a school that gets you one detention, two detentions, one suspension, whatever it may be. And as long as you run it that way, it's going to go smoothly. Look, here it is. Here's our, here's our stance. You got in a fight, that's two suspensions. Two-day suspension. You skipped a class, that's an in-school suspension. You yelled at a teacher, that's two detentions. You need it laid out. And that's not only all, but this is where I disagree. It, he did come back and say it, but he wanted to say this was all on Roger Goodell. It's not. This is on the owners and the players because the last CBA, they allowed this to happen. They need to take the power back a little bit on the next CBA agreement because it can't go down like that again. That was horrific. Just horrific. But I, I think I am just so flustered and angry that Rob Gronkowski is getting away with this, and I don't know why he's getting away with this. One game, he should be suspended the rest of the regular season. Not that it's going to matter to the Patriots because they're going to be so far ahead and they're going to win to get the number one seed and all that. But this should not be the case. They're going to lose their tight end for one frigging game. It's just not right. It's just not right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to end the show today. As I told you, I'm a little under the weather. I got a house of the walking wounded at home, uh, but I was glad I was able to come on, talk a little bit, relax. Birds are going to win the game, okay? Birds are absolutely going to win this game. Um, I, I just, I, I want to see our fan base be positive at all times because you have a situation where you have a good football team in front of you. 
even if the worst was to happen this week, it ain't over. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to the playoffs. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to get a first-round bye in the playoffs. And that's just the case. It has been fun spending some time with you. I am Rob Lange, brought to you by TSJSports.com. Embrace the madness, everyone. Have a good week. I was blinded by the pain, running wild through the rain in a parody of ecstasy.